And as we consider our lives in this new year ahead, may we understand that you call us to something far beyond anything we could ever know here and now. So bless us, teach us, instruct us, speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I've entitled uh, the message this morning, Heaven, a goal worth shooting for, a target that uh, God longs for us to, to look at. And I'd like to begin with this question. Do you ever think about heaven? Do you ever think about heaven? I'm confident that you do. Heaven is something that to some extent I have thought about as far back as, as I can remember. When, when I was young, uh, my mom every night as she would put us to bed, would, uh, we'd sit on the bedside, myself, my two sisters and my brother along with my mom, and we would pray three prayers together every night. And I don't really remember what the order necessarily was, but I do remember the prayers. And uh, first one, I think, was always, God bless Daddy, God bless Mommy, and down the, the list we would go. And sometimes that list could get, get pretty long. We also prayed the Lord's Prayer together, we recited the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. And then there was a, a third prayer that we, we prayed uh, every time together as well. And this was that prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Any of you in here pray that prayer when you were younger? Whoa, look at all those hands. <laughs> I know then you've thought about heaven. July 16th, 1972, 11 days before I turned 20. I, uh, for the four years prior to that, I, I had read the Bible every night. But to be honest with you, I, I read the Bible not really understanding it, and I read it, I'm sure, more out of fear than for anything else. I got, went to church. I was an acolyte in the church when I was younger, seventh and eighth grade, and I lit the candles before the service and put them out afterwards, and I helped with the infant baptisms, those kind of things. And I believed in God, and I believed in heaven. But on July 16, 1972, something changed in my life. When I invited Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to be my Lord and Savior at the age of, again, almost 20, and I did that at First Baptist Church downtown at an evening service. I'd never been to an evening service before in my life. I'd never seen an invitation inviting somebody to, to know Jesus personally before. And on that night, I did that. And I'll never forget walking home that night and sensing that each step I took, it just felt like I was walking on the moon because the weight of the world had been lifted off of my shoulders. I knew that my sins were forgiven. I didn't know that before. I knew for the first time 
that I was going to heaven. And I didn't know that before. I've never forgotten that day, and I'll never forget that day when heaven came into my life, into my heart. November 1st, 1978, six years later, heaven became a little bit more real to me when my sister, who was about a year and a half older than me, she, her name was Kathy, and Kathy was developmentally disabled, attended special ed classes all of her life. And uh, she was walking from the Rayleighs, which had just been built, to our home, which was not far away, and uh, was crossing Telly Road at, at Woodrow Avenue and was struck and was, was killed. And I thought about heaven. Kathy, I knew, was in heaven because after I came to Christ, Kathy came to Christ. She didn't have many friends growing up. But when Jesus came into her heart, everything changed. God just blossomed her life. And I thought about heaven on that day. On December 6, 15 years ago, my father-in-law, who for 23 years was really like my dad, was doing something he loved to do. He was hanging tinsel on the Christmas tree when a massive heart attack instantly took him into the presence of the Lord. And I thought about heaven. On August 25th, 2006, my father passed away into the presence of Jesus. When I was in high school, my dad left us. And later, after I came to Christ, I had the opportunity on a reservation in Nevada to to invite him to pray and ask Jesus to come into his life. And he prayed with me. Later, my dad had a massive stroke in the last 12 years of his life, virtually was unable to talk. But every time I'd see him, I'd say, Dad, do you, do you believe in Jesus? And he'd nod and he'd, he'd, yes, to me. And I thought about heaven. On August 25th, or excuse me, April 2nd of 2009, a little over a year and a half ago, my stepfather-in-law passed away after a battle with cancer. And he was like a mentor in my life for nearly 14 years. He loved Jesus with all of his heart. And I thought about heaven. In July and August of 2009, not quite a year and a half ago, I, uh, I took a trip to uh, four hospitals in an ambulance, four ambulance rides to a hospital. And I was in ICU for a little while, not knowing what was going on, and later had surgery. And they put a little, little device in my chest with two wires leading to my heart that uh, allows my, my heart to now pump at a rate of 60 beats a second. Uh, I think right now it may be about 160 beats a second, but <laughs> normally that's where my heart beats. But I thought about heaven. Do you think about heaven? All of us have things in our lives like this that cause us to think beyond just this life. These things that come into each and every one of our lives are reminders to us that life is short. This life is temporal. We're not here for long. And they're, they're reminders to us that, that there's something, something more. At least we, we hope that there would be something more. The Bible says this 
It's better to go to a, a funeral than to attend a feast. Wow, really? Why would the Bible say that? Here's why. Because funerals remind us that we all must die. And that's true for every one of us in here. Life is short. It's temporal. We're not meant to be here forever. These things remind us that life is short, that it's temporal, and they direct our thinking heavenward toward what is eternal. And that's a good thing. Do you ever think about heaven? Well, God wants you to. And sometimes he puts things in our lives to help us think about heaven. Sometimes things that we don't necessarily care for and enjoy. But to think about what God wants us to think about. God wants you to think about heaven perhaps far more than you've ever thought. In your notes this morning, not up on the screen, is Colossians 3, 1 and 2. And we're going to be looking at a, a number of passages, but this is really the key passage I want us to focus on. So listen to what God tells us here in Colossians 3. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Would you say that together with me? Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I want you to know that, that this is just not a, a suggestion that God is giving to us. This is a command, and it's a command that God gives to us simply because what's true is we don't normally set our hearts on things above. Normally our hearts are set on things below. They're set on things of this earth, not on the things of heaven. And yet God commands our hearts are to be set on heaven, on things above. And the verb tense indicates that this is just not some casual thought some thought that we would choose to think of or the way we happen to think of when life come, comes along and slaps us in the side of the face. But it's a thought that is to, to permeate, in essence permeate, to be continually part of our thinking process. We are to set our thoughts on things above continuously, all the time. That's the essence of what this is saying. Why? Well, I can think of uh, probably a number of reasons but here's one that I think is perhaps maybe an essential reason for why this command. Because what you and I set our minds on determines ultimately how we live. What we set our minds on determines how we live in this life. Now, you've probably heard it said that he's so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. I'm not sure who said that, but I know this. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what Colossians 3, which we just read, says. The Bible, in fact, teaches us that the opposite is, is really the reality. It, it is what is true. It is, 
it is most of us, we set our minds on what is on earth. And most of us are so earthly minded that the reality is we're no heavenly good. And if we're no heavenly good, to be honest with you, we're no earthly good either. And so Paul says we're to set our minds on things above. We're to set our minds on heaven. Listen to what C.S. Lewis wrote. A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most in this present world were just those who thought the most of the next. You see, how we think about heaven is what really determines how we think about life here on earth. Our view of heaven is ultimately it is what ultimately determines our view of life. The most important things in life, the most important things in our life are determined by our perception of heaven. Our perspective on the most important things in life is determined by our perception of heaven, what we believe to be true about heaven. How you face the loss of a loved one, that's a pretty big thing in life. And how in you and I face the loss of a loved one is determined by how we understand heaven, what we believe about heaven, how we set our minds on heaven. Now, those who've lost loved ones, I'd never minimize that. I know what that's like. And the Bible says that, that we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. And it doesn't say we don't sorrow. We sorrow but we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. We have a hope, an everlasting hope, an eternal hope that God wants us to set our minds on, and it makes a difference. It makes a difference in how we deal with the, the, the trials and tribulations of life. Now, Jesus made another promise to us. He said, in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. That's one we wish he hadn't made. But that's one he made, and that's one every one of us can say, yeah, that one's true. But how we think about heaven determines how we deal with life's difficulties that come into our lives. It makes a difference in how we spend our money. It makes a difference in how we spend our time. It makes a difference in our priorities. It makes a difference in our goals. It makes a difference in every choice that you and I make in this life because every choice that you and I make in this life is ultimately reflected in what we really think about heaven. So set your mind on heaven, God says. Set your mind. In fact, that's our key idea this morning. That's the thing I hope you'll, you'll walk away with, if nothing else. Set your mind on heaven. It makes a difference. It makes a difference in how you live now and forever. Now, someone uh, asked me what I was preaching. In fact, somebody asked me that just, just a few minutes ago, but I had a couple of others, and I said, I'm preaching on heaven. They said, whoa, that's a pretty big subject. And yes, it is. Yes, it is. 
And what I want us to do is to look at four truths about heaven that are revealed in God's word. There are a lot of truths about heaven, but we're going to look at four specific ones today. And the first is this. Heaven is the place. Heaven is the place you were always meant to be. God created you. He went to the cross for you. He is coming again for you. Why? Heaven. God longs that you and I would be with him. That's why he created us. That's the reason for the cross. That's why he's coming again, so that we might be with him. It is the place that he has created and always meant for us to be. That is his ultimate goal. That is the target that we are to shoot for. Heaven is a place that God has always meant for you to be. Now the Bible begins with these words. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens. The Bible ends in the book of Revelation in chapter 22, chapter 21 and chapter 22, where John, the great apostle who received this, this revelation from God of things to come, wrote about the magnificence of the glory of heaven. So from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, and everything in between, is ultimately the story of God's plan to get you and me to heaven. That's what he longs to do. You have been created for heaven. The word heaven occurs several hundred times. In fact, in the King James Version, over 700 times. Eternity or eternal, eternal. The word eternal, eternal life is nearly 100 times. So this is a major, major theme in the scriptures. Heaven is described in the Bible as the throne of God. It is described as the tabernacle of God, the new Jerusalem, the dwelling of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, the holy city, paradise, a better country, the Father's house, the place of God's rest, the new heavens and the new earth the home of the righteous, and we could go on. This is the place that God has meant for you and for me to always be. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us, He, that is God, has set, also set eternity in the hearts of men. God longs that we would be with him forever, that we would spend eternity with him. And he has set eternity in our hearts. He has set eternity in the hearts of men. All those who have lived in the past, those of us who live today, and all those who, who will ever live until Jesus comes again. God has set eternity in our hearts. In each of our hearts, there's a longing. There's a longing for eternity. There's a longing for something more. There's a longing for something greater. There's a longing for something better. There's a longing in our hearts that God has put there 
because he wants us to long for something more than what we just know here and now. He wants us to long for what is forever, for heaven, for eternity. Paul described it this way, this longing in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. He said, but, but our citizenship is in heaven. It is not here. It's in heaven. And he says, and he hears this longing, and we eagerly await. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, and someday everything, everything that is upside down will be turned right side up and will be brought under his control. That day is coming. And he says, we long and we eagerly await that day when he will transform our lowly bodies. For what purpose? Here's the purpose. So that they will be like his glorious body. Now, I don't know about you, but as I get older, I'm discovering that my body is getting lowerly and lowerly and lowerly. I used to be probably about a half an inch taller than I am now, but I am getting lowerly. I didn't used to wear glasses. I never wear glasses. I, again, I told you I've got something that kind of helps my heart to beat. I'm looking forward to that day when there's going to be a transformation and our physical bodies will be transformed into wholeness, into completeness. I've got hair missing on the top of my head and where it went was into my ears and my nose. <laughs> it's a lowly body. You and I were not intended to live forever. This is not our eternal home. And these bodies were never designed to live forever. They weren't. And so this longing that, that Paul describes was also the longing of the great saints of the Old Testament. People like Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and Gideon and Samson and Daniel and Samuel and, and all the prophets of the Old Testament. Hebrews 11 tells us all these people were still living by faith when they died. They were great men and women of God. But it says this, they did not receive the things promised. Oh, they received some things promised, but there were things they, they did not receive. There are things that you and I will never receive this side of heaven, but there we will. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. In faith, they saw them. In faith, they welcomed them. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. And you need to know that that's true of us as well. We are aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own because they knew this place was not theirs. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And now listen to this. Because they longed for that better place, therefore God is not ashamed. Not ashamed to be called their God. 
for he has prepared a city for them. And God has prepared a place for us, a place that we would long for. Do you ever have feelings of discontentment or dissatisfaction? The feelings of of there's got to be something more the great men and women of the Bible did. Why? Because there is something more. You know, we're going to be transformed someday, not just our physical bodies. And I, I long for some of that transformation as I grow older. But it's not just the outward transformation, it's the transformation of the soul. And that's what I long for more than anything else. Because you see, I, I know my soul needs to be trans, transformed. I, I, I wrestle with depression this time of the year. And uh, I don't like it. It's not a fun place for me to be. And I look forward to that day when that transformation is going to take place. And I'm not going to wrestle with it anymore. I wrestle with the things of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the, the lusts of the flesh. Those things that I wish weren't true in my life. But you know what? Until I see Jesus, until that final transformation, I'm going to have to deal with them. You're going to have to deal with those kind of things. We need to long for that day. It's a longing that God has put within the hearts of men. That we might long for eternity because he has set eternity within our hearts. That we would long for something better, something greater, something more. And guess what? There is. That's why we have that longing. Because, in fact, there is something far, far greater that God has for us. God has made you for heaven. And he has made heaven for you. And that is a place you were always meant to be. So set your sights on heaven. Set your sights on heaven. That is a place God wants you to shoot for. A second truth about heaven that we need to set our minds on is this. Heaven is the purpose. Heaven is the purpose you were always meant to live for. Heaven is the place prepared for us, but it is also the place that we are to prepare for. It is the purpose you were always meant to live for. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He hadn't. He was still alive when he wrote this. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, every fiber in Paul's body strained with this longing for what was ahead. This was the one thing I do, he said. I press on. I press on toward the goal, toward the goal to win the prize. And what is the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus? That's the prize. And that was Paul's goal. That was his ambition. That was the pursuit of his life. That was his purpose. And that is to be our purpose. Heaven is the purpose that we were always meant to live for. Paul describes this further in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, do you not know, and we need to know, do you not know that a race, that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it, 
to get a crown that will not last. He's talking about human athletes, those who train to win in whatever game or, or sport they're competing in. But he said, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, because of that, Paul says, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave. Here's why. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Heaven was the prize that Paul pursued. It's what he gave his entire life for, and it is a purpose that we are meant to give our lives for as well. We are to run in such a way to get the prize. And we do it not to get a temporary crown. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. And that is the prize we are to set our minds and our hearts on. The last lady that, that, whose picture we saw on the screen, her name is Ethel Butler. And I did Ethel's service this last Thursday, her funeral service. And uh, Ethel's been a part of our church for about 15 years. Wonderful lady. And I visited her over at Memorial Hospital. And, and in fact, let me back up just a little bit. I, I saw Ethel... Uh, five years ago in the hospital in ICU. I didn't think that Ethel was going to come home five years ago. I thought she was going to go home to be with the Lord. But God says that all the or days of, of our lives have been ordained by him. And five years ago was not when God ordained for Ethel to go home to be with him. But he did the other day. And I saw Ethel at, at the hospital and, and, uh, and visited her before she was intubated when she could still speak. And I couldn't hear everything she was saying to me. But I was able to hear this much. Pastor Rick, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. And she did. She did. And she was quoting what, what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And then Paul says this, and not only to me, but also to, to all, to all who have longed for his appearing. That's us. Ethel, the other day, received that crown. At her funeral, a woman who I did not know uh, came up and, and shared a little about her relationship with Ethel. And I believe if I... Heard her right, she works at a bank that Ethel went to. And she used the word relentless. She said, Ethel was relentless. She said, Ethel invited me to church. And she was relentless. And then she said this. She said, Ethel saved my life. 
and she saved the lives of my family because I came to Christ and so did my family. Ethel lived with a purpose that changed her life, but she lived with a purpose that changed the lives of others around her. And that is the race that God calls us to run. That is a fight. That is the battle that God calls us to, to go to war over until that day that he calls us home to be with himself. Jesus says this in Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and, and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Isn't it amazing how stuff just rusts? It gets dull. It gets torn. It gets worn. Everything. Everything. But Jesus said this, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Earthly treasures will perish. In fact, the Bible is very clear. This whole world, this whole earth is going to burn up and it's going to perish. There are only two things. They're eternal. This word is eternal. That's why we need to read it. That's why we need to be in it every day. That's why we want to encourage you to join us in reading through it this year. It'll help you to set your mind on what is eternal. This word is eternal. We're to set our mind on it. But people are eternal. We're eternal. Those are the two things that last forever. And so... Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I'm confident Ethel had some treasures in heaven when she got there. This is to be our pursuit. C.S. Lewis said this, all that is not eternal is eternally useless. Years ago, there was a popular slogan that encouraged people to live each day as the first day of the rest of their life. And I can kind of understand that. But that's not what the Bible encourages us to do. That sounds good, but the Bible teaches us that it is actually wiser to live each day as if it were the last day of our life. Matthew Henry, a great scholar and, and commentator, said this, and I love this phrase, I love this, this thought. It ought to be the business of every day to prepare for our final day. It ought to be the business of every day in every one of our lives to prepare for the final day. We are to live our lives in view of eternity, and that ought to be the main goal of every believer that is a target we are to shoot for because when this is our purpose, it changes everything. The martyred Christian missionary, Jim Elliott, said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Set your minds on heaven. It makes the difference in how you live now and forever. The third truth Heaven is the person, 
Heaven is the person you and I were always meant to know. Heaven is a place and heaven ought to be our purpose, but heaven is really all about a person. It is the presence of Jesus Christ that makes heaven heaven. Heaven's not heaven because of the, the, the golden streets and the pearly gates and those kind of things that we can only imagine in terms of its glory and its beauty and its majesty. Heaven is heaven because of Jesus Christ. And he, he longs that we would be with him. Jesus spoke these words in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. For in my Father's house, again, in heaven, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there, he was telling his disciples, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Heaven is a person. It is where Jesus is. Heaven is a place, but more than that, it is the presence of the person who has prepared the place for us. Heaven is a place where the deepest longings of our souls will finally be fulfilled. But that is only because we will finally be in the presence of the one who created us for the ultimate purpose that we would be with him forever. Jesus in John 17 said this, now this is eternal life. This is heaven. And he's praying to his father that they, that's us, may know you, Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's to know him. And Paul declared in Philippians chapter 3, I consider everything, everything here, everything, a loss compared to what? A loss compared to the surpassing greatness. The surpassing greatness of what? Of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. That was his longing, to know Jesus. And everything else he counted as loss, as rubbish. John, in the Revelation, the book of Revelation, John 21, again, right at the end of the Bible, John says these, records these words for us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. (laughs) That heaven is going to be for us as, as a bride, beautifully dressed, beautifully prepared for us. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God, that is heaven, is with men, and he will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Heaven is all about a person. And it's because of that person that John says he will wipe every tear from their eyes. That's why we ought to long for it. 
there will be no more death. That's why we had to long for it and for him, because it's in his presence where these things are true. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Heaven is a place you were always meant to be. And Jesus is the person you were always meant to know. There's one final truth about heaven that I want us to consider. And though it's the last truth that I'm going to talk about, and there are lots of truths about heaven, we've looked at just simply four. But this is really the first truth that we must experience and know if we're to know and experience the three truths we've just talked about. And that is the truth that heaven is the promise. Heaven is the promise you were always meant to receive. Second Peter chapter 3, Peter writes, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward. And only those who have received the promise are those who can look forward. Look forward to what? A new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Are you looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness? Do you have that assurance in your life that if you were to die, even today, if you were to go down Tully Road and get to Woodrow and something were to happen to you there, do you have the assurance that you would go to heaven. I was in church for 20 years. I believed in God. I believed in heaven. But I didn't have that assurance. And when I came to know that insurance, when I came to know the person of heaven, when I came to know Jesus, when I invited Jesus Christ into my life, everything changed. Here, and forever, which I look forward to. God wants you to have that assurance. Listen to Hebrews 4, 1 through 3. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, the promise of entering his rest, of entering heaven, it still stands. It stood in Old Testament days. It stood in New Testament days. It stands today, and it will stand until Jesus comes again. And therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Well, how could that happen? There's only one way we enter into that promise, and he says this, now we who have believed, we who have believed, Enter that rest. Heaven is a promise that you were always meant to receive, but there is only one way that you can receive the promise of heaven. You must believe in the one who gave it. 
and Jesus is the one who gave it. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, for God so loved you, and God so loved me, that he gave his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that if you and I, whoever would believe on him, shall not perish, but has everlasting life, has heaven. That's God's promise. But to get it, you must believe on the one who gave it. The promise of heaven is found in the person of heaven. The Bible makes it unmistakably clear. He who has the Son has life. He who who does not have the Son does not have life. To have heaven is to have life. Jesus. And to have Jesus is to have heaven. Do you know that you have heaven? The only way is by knowing that you have Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Do you ever think about heaven? God wants you to more than you'll ever know. Set your mind on heaven. It makes a difference in how you live now and forever. If you don't have that assurance of salvation, that assurance of eternal life, the assurance that when you die, you're going to heaven. Then in a few minutes when our service ends, I want to invite you to come back to the altar and meet with somebody who can help you to know, as somebody helped me to know on July 16, 1972, how I could have that assurance. God wants you to know. We're to set our minds on heaven. And that's what we do when we read this book. But you know, we've sung songs today that are wonderful songs that help us to think about heaven. And we're going to listen to one now again that reminds us that this place is is not our home. We're not home yet. But someday, someday through Jesus and because of Jesus, we will finally, finally be home.